This is Paul with Daily Review. And this is Mike with Pop Culture Review. And this is the Avenue 5 Podcast. Tonight we're talking about episode 6 of season 1. Was it your ears? What'd you think of this episode, Paul? We've been asking to whomever could grant us this wish, knowing full well that the show is already made and nothing can be done, to have the show kind of focus on characters playing to their to their strengths. I thought this episode had more of that. I agree. I mean, I think it did do a lot of what we were asking. Definitely got a lot more Billy, and I don't think she disappointed. I think a lot of her stuff was very funny in, in her awkwardness. A lot more Iris than we had been getting in a more uh, substantial way. The characters that tend to slog the show down, the Mias, the Dugs, the, the Karens, I felt like they were there, but they were used in the best way that they can be. They were kind of hit-and-run instances uh, of them you know so mm-hmm. actually i guess me and doug actually had a lot of screen time to get when you add them together but it was never it never felt like it was too much like it kept it moving i think i think maybe that's what i'm trying to say the the episode kept everything moving we didn't settle in with anyone for too long and it had a big glitter bomb of for poop at the end so <laughs> you know that's that's pretty much a bow that you could put on anything really it's like gallows humor right the idea that when you're in a terrible situation you can start to find things funny that were you out of that situation you'd think are horrible but since you're in it you you know it's just human nature to find something to like about whatever you're doing or or think it's funny or whatever and so glitter on poop to you and me that's not that awesome of an idea but if that's if that's what you got (laughs) then it's terrific i guess Right. I mean, anything to really take away from your troubles. This episode, actually, I think one of the things that I liked about this episode when I when I'm breaking it down in my brain is that it had one, it had a very relatable conflict or the central thing of the episode, the 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 incessant beep that they couldn't track Two, we got to see how it affected everyone. And everyone had a had a specific kind of madness that they fell into and stuck with it. It, it, it they never missed a beat so every time even if they were in the background you know if it was judd every time the beep happened he would start he would like whine iris you know uh doug would say fuck you you know iris laughed uh ryan would drop stuff spike as spikes tried to talk to it every time it beeped you know so i i actually really liked how committed they were to the bit in this episode because it it showed one how the beep was was affecting everyone but two, because it moved around to everyone. It wasn't just, we just didn't see Iris laughing every time. Everyone had, it had an effect on everyone. And so we got to see everyone's effect. Again, it was the spread out concept. You know, spread it around and the show seems to do a bit better. If you've ever had like a big house with a carbon monoxide detector or a smoke detector, you know, if you have them in a lot of rooms, I, I, I used to have a big farmhouse and I remember very clearly, I could not locate a fire alarm that was doing the batteries are beeping, the batteries are dying beep. And it would always only seem to do it in the middle of the night. You know, you wouldn't notice it during the day, but night would fall. And I remember stalking through rooms, trying to figure out which goddamn smoke detector it was that needed to be replaced. This episode triggered me in a, in a very funny way because of that. I was like, I totally get why Ryan is on the edge of it. Like he's about to lose his shit. It's stressful. <laughs> or, so. uh, or you could even maybe even relate to even though they were they were whispering because they thought that they needed to conserve oxygen, still, if you were up late at night searching for that smoke alarm, you might be whispering to keep from waking people up, right? Well, that's true, too. Goddamn thing. Like, that sort of thing. I was reminded of, I, I guess it's a plot device that I've seen 
used in lots of other shows, like the whole second season of Lost, for instance, was kind of built around a beep that would go off periodically. The very first episode, (laughs) the very first episode of Battlestar Galactica. I don't know if you watched that show, but first of the regular series was every 33 minutes, the Cylons would show up. So they had a cyclical reason to stay kind of on edge, uh, high anxiety and, um, and they didn't know when it was going to end and they didn't get any sleep also. So it kind of reminded me of, of all those, those shows, I guess I, I was making me wonder if when you go to TV writer school, they have like a bin where they keep some of the, the tried and true chestnuts of TV writing. <laughs> oh yeah. The, the trope treasure chest. Uh, yes. for sure. Yeah, the good the good beeping is not something you would think you would get on a space adventure show, but here we are. <laughs> I think another thing that the show did funny uh, and did well this week was the the space baby plot, and though different reactions to the baby, but much like marriage on the show, in the end everyone turned against the baby. Even Iris, who had been cooing over it, you know, called it a greedy little you know a greedy little bastard taking its oxygen and turn on the baby. It was a nice reminder, I guess, that the life is continuing. It's sort of funny. I guess the beep came into existence because of the baby being born and the ship needing to account for another person being added, which is funny that the whole ship would need to have a beeping reminder for that instead of just somewhere on the fake or real bridge. Also troubling that the addition of one person on board would cause that kind of panic, at least within the computer's own systems. It really brings into focus. They're in such a precarious position out in space. I guess even if it was a normal time time frame home, that a little person, a little baby, needs that kind of attention that it has to recalibrate. The ship has to completely recalibrate how it exists. Well, it's almost like they needed a reminder because they've been for the length of this this journey. They've ever since the disaster, anyway. They've been very much focused on on themselves uh what do they what do they call it belly button gazing is that is that it navel gazing navel gazing that's it and so it's like with that baby being born they needed a reminder that there was something else that they needed to 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 do beside that it was interesting that this episode brought in the idea brought us back to the people on board the actual number because as we added a life we had the quote-unquote other president telling rav that they could she could have her 4.23 trillion dollars in rescue money which seemed excessive (laughs) that's a lot of money um (laughs) it's not uh, like kind of the current budget for the entire country (laughs) yeah i I mean i I would imagine that's probably the gdp of most of the 183 countries in the world combined save a few like the united states that's a lot to bring some people home but of course the other president we definitely need to talk about that said that rav has to consider eliminating 500 non-essential passengers or personnel while we're adding one life to the to the ship we are also contemplating for much of this episode the idea of maybe having to kill 500 which is funny because remember 500 was the number of guests that weren't originally supposed to be on board yes uh they that matches the number of the uh contest winners i think it was that got added kind of at the last minute to the roster so the 500 wonder... that made it so that they could have been back in three months but instead yes not with cyrus and his flaky math i yeah. wonder if it turns out that the other president is actually related to the computer on board avenue five 
if if it's just actually if they're just two different organs of the same artificial brain you know mm. that the that the ship has some grudge against these extra 500 passengers and so it's taking it out through the other president concept to uh, to eliminate them it is curious that the 500 exactly came up again yes you know yeah I, I thought it was too much of a coincidence. That's, yeah, there's, that's a there's... very specific number. Uh, well, let's talk about it because, I, like I said, I was happy that we got more Rav. Last week's episode ends, as many of these uh, episodes have ended, kind of on a very much a cliffhanger. Oh, it always surprises me. Every time they've done it so far, you know, she's about to go in and practice. she's practicing her speech to meet the president, who I guess the White House is now in Buffalo 40 years in the future, and talking about how these people are the best of all of us. Uh, as she sees video of them trying to, you know, shoot Frank out of the airlock and having their Lord of the Flies party in the halfway home party last week, which kind of threw a wrench in her works. But she must have rallied, and without really seeing much fanfare, she gets the approval of the human president in Buffalo, yeah. And but he advises her that because, I guess, of the amount of money, she needs to go see the quote-unquote other president. What was your whole take on, on one, the DMV style, two, the, the secretary of state that was in like, like regular street clothes and looked very young. And then the, the other president seems to be this computer interface. The concept seemed borrowed, I guess, from say, if you took uh, Idiocracy, the Mike Judge movie, but didn't go quite as far as that, maybe stopped somewhere midstream between now and then you might get to where Avenue 5 is right now. <laughs> President Camacho does not seem too far off. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. I, had not, I, I did not make that connection. But can you see, like, I mean, what's, first of all, what series of disasters has befallen the United States that we would willingly move the, the seat of government to Buffalo, <laughs> New York? Oh my goodness! Nothing... I mean, as as an as an upstate New Yorker, I feel like I should have more solidarity with them. But I'm upstate; those fuckers are way the fuck upstate, and 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 to the west, like they are in they're basically in Canada. Basically, really. I mean, they are the way Sarah Palin would describe her front porch to Russia. That is literally Buffalo to Canada and Toronto. Wow, something bad has happened. But you know, we got a historical prediction that sometime in the future there are going to be some kind of fires that take out Pennsylvania, which is Matt's birthplace, we learned tonight. Uh, some shit goes sideways in the future, probably in the near future. Does Trump own a golf course, uh, maybe, in Buffalo? Is... <laughs> that that makes sense. Yeah, I can see that. That, that, that. Now it's all coming into sharper focus. Key Largo North? Yeah, I don't know. The whole thing was kind of, the whole thing was very funny. It seemed like deep satire, for me, in a show, and we were talking about this offline before we started recording, it seemed like very deep satire. Like, it really was trying to say something in a serious way, but, like, using humor. For a show that makes, like, a lot of poop jokes and other, you know, has has tried satire at different levels, this seemed like some next-level writing by the show to, to say something about the state of society. I thought that there was a certain amount of sort of the either... You might look at it like the facelessness of government or the homogenization, I guess. So it doesn't even matter. It didn't matter what political party or whatever that the machine aligned itself with because it, it all kind of works out the same to you and me. Right. Um, at least that was kind of part of part of how I saw it. Just sort of it's meant to be objective, kind of like our government currently is kind of supposed to be that way. 
but and, and it does kind of shake out that way for for people maybe the comment is it might as well be a machine <laughs> maybe that's right it. or 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 that government for most people is as faceless we you know we send people off to washington to run the country and that's the last it's kind of a black hole of transparency you know it, it's as opaque as it possibly can be so it was the idea that it like you said it wouldn't matter if a computer was making the decisions because you know kind of like how panem runs in the hunger games or yeah you know oz behind his curtain in wizard of oz or you know it in wrinkle of time like these faceless governments it's all basically the same to the populace because you know, whether there's a person where it's the real president in buffalo with the human president or the computer it doesn't really matter you know we're, we're we're beholden to these decisions that we don't get involved in how they're actually made and there's still some desire i guess to push off big decisions to somebody else <laughs> <laughs> which is what the what the real president did for the other president. Yeah, he didn't seem very upset about having to send Rav to the other president. You know, he he seemed very figureheadish. You know, like, yeah, I'm all good about it as long as you get the other president's, you know, consent. You know, it's good with me. I'm I'm just not really making any decisions here for sure. Yeah. It was a little dark, but there were there were a couple of really dark humor lines uh in this episode and one of them really starts off pretty early when Judd is feeling particularly jealous of the baby mm -hmm. um, because it's it's taking Iris away from him. And uh, him and Matt get into a really dark, escalatingly dark conversation about how they could kill the baby in, like, a really easy way. Like, because Judd was talking, he starts talking about how he's better than the baby. He's, like, a fully grown man. And then Matt, Matt is egging him on, talking about the soft spot and how just one right. blow and it'll all be over. And Judd, what Judd wasn't, like... You know, it, it was it was almost like last week where you don't know if Judd realizes he's going too far. Like the ideas to him, like he doesn't even see the line he's crossing. He's just he just gets so involved in it. And Matt, we've talked about, is just this nihilist who just wants to see it all fucking burn. Is definitely going to uh, egg Judd on. And then there was another really uh, dark line. Is it the uh, weight limit for using the stairs? Because I thought it was funny that it was Judd making the the limit and even when he's uh ostracizing iris she's still giving him clues about what weight limit he needs to set you know the 257 the very the very specific and not arbitrary at all 257 pound weight limit which i think if you you know judd probably weighs at 256 would have been i think guess. that's what we're supposed to understand there and he's yeah. the funny but i think the funnier subtext there was that he didn't actually know that she knew what he weighed and but he'd lost track and so he needed her to say what the number was <laughs> so that he'd be below it. What I was thinking of was the let's let's kill or at least put Judd into a coma so deeply that he can no longer make decisions on the ship. Oh, you the know, Karen stuff. The, the, yeah. the, Karen, the Karen plot line, but then how they all go around it. And, you know, I think you could explain a lot of it because of the madness that they were all the sleep deprivation madness they were all going into. But kind of, you know, it went further than I thought it was going to. And they actually, he slipped the pills. I think Ryan slips the pills into Judd's soda. They really went for it in this episode with, let's explore some dark timelines on how, you know, what we could do bad things to, you know, to people. And I guess the idea also of, you know, they have to legitimately talk about maybe getting rid of killing or otherwise eliminating 500 people on the ship. There's Pretty that. dark, dark stuff, dark stuff. But, you know, I, I liked all of it, though. I thought those were some of the best bits in the episode. So what does that say about me? 
Last week we had talked about that we thought that the only character that we saw undergoing any change would probably be Ryan. However, this week we showed or what they what they showed us was her her arc isn't necessarily going up, <laughs> but she is changing. Because <laughs> from week to week, she's incrementally gotten a little more Karen. Does that make sense? Like she sets up her office in the chapel this week. And, and uh, yeah, she equates herself essentially to Jesus or as a prophet of the Lord. Yes. She even calls it, I think she calls it the God chamber or something like that. Yeah. Last week she was she was kind of pushing the idea of, of sex with Ryan, which she had said would never happen a couple episodes before that. And then this week she's kind of like if, if, if one person had said, yeah, let's go ahead and kill judge. She'd have been like, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> right. Uh, you're hundred percent, but they're letting her do it though. So it's not only that she, she is maybe the best and most intelligent on the ship because she is playing her hand so well, everything she's wanted to do She's basically gotten her way. You know, she's running the passenger liaison meetings. She's in all of the meetings now, uh, uh, decision-making meetings on the ship. She is getting them to go along with taking out the president of the company. <laughs> you know, she, yeah. she's she's got a giant office. You know, she's got the stark white, you know, uh, space odyssey office. If this was Survivor or some other, you know, reality show, I think, I think, or Big Brother, I think Karen may be playing the best game on, on the show right now. Yeah, she, she reminds me of one of, and I don't watch much Survivor, but every so often you hear about a player that, that says what they're going to do, walks in and then does it and then comes out on top <laughs> it doesn't, yeah it doesn't happen much I was, but i was more of a big brother guy and you would definitely hear i i don't i know i very i've seen very few survivor but i've watched a lot of big brother and it's the same way the the person is just what was the guy his, he was basically like a dick and that was that his whole persona was like i don't like anyone i'm here to win fuck y'all and i'm not gonna you know i'm not gonna obfuscate i'm not gonna try and play you like this is just who i am and it worked did was he actually a dick or was he just you know, using that persona to win the game. Hard to tell, you know, it's one of those things where maybe truth, you know, perception becomes truth. I don't know. <laughs> maybe he turned himself into a dick. <laughs> which is his own kind of alchemy. What did you think of Mia and Doug coming together, each, each being taken into a confidence of their own and then coming together and actually making a pact to not vote each other out of, again, another survivor, another big brother uh, analogy, not, you know, agreeing not to vote, put each other up for elimination among the 500 passengers. D did we like Mia and Doug getting along or do we prefer them uh, separate and fighting? Something about their, their whole dynamic, in order for it to kind of work, it seems like they will need either some form of continued alliance or just the rekindling of their relationship at some point in the story you know they've been fighting so much at the beginning if since we're talking about tv tropes earlier that's a pretty classic one the couple that yeah. can't stand each other gets back together by the end of the thing through a series of harrowing disasters or whatever but that's not a very exciting prediction it's just like how I, I do prefer them not bickering, actually, which is weird because that seems to be like their um, why they're even on the show. But uh, but yeah, there's so much else going on. Like I've said in other podcasts, their bickering is the is the low hanging fruit, I guess, of what what I just like the least. Uh, I agree with you. Their plot lines tend to only be saved for me when Matt is involved because 
he brings the burn it all down energy, like the word bubble, the word art thing from his one therapy session, recording and then sending to Rav, the hate messages from Mia, you know, all, all of that kind of stuff is what I, if I'm going to find anything funny from that plot line is usually what I find funny. But Matt was busy this week. Matt, Matt was sidled up to Judd talking about TV tropes. The idea of a bottle episode where people become strange bedfellows and who don't normally associate all of a sudden now are hanging out and getting along. This is what that episode, you know, for whatever reason, Judd gravitates to, to Matt and the vibe he's selling, you know, because Matt, Matt, well, Matt makes a conscious decision at the beginning of the episode to ask him if the baby's hurting him, which I thought was really funny. You know, and, and Judd admits that the, he is jealous of the baby. And then they go on that rant about how to take out the baby. And But they're together the entire episode until the end. And then as soon as it's, you know, been revealed that it's not an oxygen leak, it was just for the baby, the beeping, Judd turns to Matt and says, I'm done with you, dude. Like, you're too fucking weird for me. And <laughs> yeah. I don't want you, you know, and he's back with Iris again. So the show resets itself. So we spent like this alternative universe, this mirror universe episode where Judd and Matt were besties and Iris was on the outside. But by the end, it's all reset. So next week, we can go back to like kind of the status quo, and right. Matt can Matt can go back to sexually harassing Frank, or you know, ther <laughs> be giving therapy to uh, Mia and uh, Doug. Were there any uh, good lines that stood out? This was the one episode that didn't have so many lines that I was writing them down, but I was curious if any stood out to you. Any good quips? When they announced the baby's name, I have a friend who named her baby Caden. He's twelve now, or something like that. So he's been around a long time. But, but uh, so his is that his name is Cadence. When they name when they said the name of the baby is Caden, and everyone's like, uh, and and I think Iris said something like, "That's a she said she had a uh, it was." Well, she didn't she like the name initially, Iris? She she was she was still pro baby at that point. I think someone from the floor said it was a stupid name or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I was confusing you know, the, that with Colin and the placeholder name comment from two weeks ago. That's right. Yeah, I actually I like how they do the announcements, the shipwide announcements. They don't use a PA system. They gather everyone in that big open area and then they speak from the balcony like they're in like a Roman Senate or something. And they make their pronouncements from up high. And it's, it's, we've seen it now several times in the show. And there's just open heckling always from the crowd, which again, I, I find funny. The, the show may be winning me over with these kinds of episodes. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I, or its own little internal logic like that. Because I guess, I mean, I've never been on a cruise, but I imagine that is not how they address the passengers. Everybody gather no. here and we'll just yell the the announcements even even the drills for if the ship was god forbid going to sink takes place on several different parts of the boat like you know no one ever gathers in the same place that's actually probably very unsafe <laughs> like weight <laughs> weight distribution wise to have everyone concentrated in one especially on especially on the fucking rinky dink lego built ship that they're that they're in right now where nothing seems to be really made for long long use uh, yeah, no, I would advise against having all 5,000 passengers gather in the same spot. That seems like a bad idea to me. That might have been what caused the ship to tip in the first place. Remember they had the yoga and all those other things happening yeah, at the same they time? Had the, the, they had the gravity, uh, they had the gravity freak out. You yeah. Know? Maybe it's just, yeah, maybe it's just their assemblage. The the way they assemble on the ship is just faulty. That might, that wouldn't that be a kicker if that's how the season ends? It turns out we've just been meeting in the wrong way. So. <laughs> That's as legit as any other thing that we've seen on the show. I, I mean, I haven't seen episode 10 yet, guys, but I feel like maybe I'm onto something. It's very possible. 
A couple lines stuck out for me. Actually, Mia had my favorite line of the episode. It's when Iris comes in and she talks about how the baby has jaundice. And uh, it's just sitting there in the, uh, you know, the NICU with its oxygen mask sucking up all our oxygen. And, you know, Judd gives her a high five and, you know, says she's back. But Mia has the best line right after that. She's like, fucking space babies stealing all of our oxygen. Made me laugh out loud. <laughs> really funny line. But then they fire off the, the glitter bomb, uh, Judd's glitter bomb, into the shit halo around the ship. And uh, I believe it's Matt says, who, who knew shit could be so enchanting? But he says it with such earnestness that you just go, yeah, it's true. You know, <laughs> it's, it's hard to disagree with. We have two episodes left in this season and we know we have a season two. And I feel like we've done this almost every episode. But I'm curious what you think prediction wise, uh, where we're going for these final two episodes. Well, I wasn't counting on Karen to ramp up this idea of killing Judd. Last week, we had predicted that there would be a food shortage soon. So that's that's where I'm still looking is is food might be a problem, but I'm also starting to think that maybe this Judd killing might get a little more serious in her mind just because that's the way her character is gone. She's gone from one episode saying there will be no coitus to the next episode practically asking for it, you know, and then this episode is kidding around about killing Judd. Next episode might be taking steps yeah i mean ryan has to go see matt and have that very uh oprah winfrey style you're a broken man uh, you know conversation with matt before matt will hand over the drugs but he does secure the sedatives he does they do proceed to at least try and knock out judd in a significant way which at that point are you that many steps from killing him i mean you're saying basically let's let's make him unconscious for the duration well, yeah, you know, but is Karen's play that there's going to be a power vacuum? She knows everyone's secrets. She knows Ryan's secrets, you know, granted, like Mia was, was latching on a little bit and Doug was latching on a little bit that there's something very wrong about Ryan and his accent. But Karen right. actually knows the secrets of the ship, you know, so I wonder if she sees a path to power here. She becomes higher than even Ryan in, in the power structure and actually becomes the boss of the ship. It's interesting. I, I agree with you. It definitely seems to be where they're taking her 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 character. You know, she's the Somalians in uh, Captain Phillips, the Somali pirates. Sounds like we'll keep watching to the end on this one. I, I mean, I, I don't think we have a choice at this point. But, you know, if, listen, if they give me more episodes like this, this is a show I'll keep watching. Or, you know, at least sticking with and, and staying familiar with. I don't know that it's going to be the first thing I go to to watch, but this was an enjoyable episode, and 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 I could see why you'd give it a season two. I guess if this is what you're going to get, did you hear where the title "Was It Your Ears" came from? I I was I should, I thought I was paying attention for it, but I missed it. If they if I I this is the second time now I've completely missed the title when they said it. I did not. I don't know if you guys are listening and you know where they left it. Cause I like to know only because, you know, trying to have some fun with watching the show, picking out where the titles are always a fun thing. Catch everybody next week after episode seven, the penultimate, is that the penul penultimate or is there 10 in this season? No, there's eight in Avenue five's freshman season. All right, so next so. week, next week is the penultimate episode of the season. And HBO so. loves to make those a real humdinger. I mean, we've got a lot of stuff on board. We've got maybe the death of Judd. We have Frank's uh, ever-changing sexuality and nature. We have the 500 people who may be killed because of the other president. But there's a lot of stuff in the air, actually. 
And, you know, we have we have Billy kind of increasingly become unhinged because she's not getting any credit for the work she's doing, keeping the ship together. You know, that's going to come to a head, too. Yeah. You know, this was the second week in a row where Billy has solved the problem and looked for some applause, some praise and gotten none. I guess we'll tune in and we'll find out. I hope you guys join us next week as we continue circling Avenue 5, much like a shit cloud. And uh, we'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. This has been Paul with Daily Review. And this is Mike from Pop Culture Review. Thanks a lot. Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you. Pod Clubhouse.